Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. The book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 3. We're taking a quick little break from our series which will resume once again on Sunday morning. But with the whole that we have... I believe that this is the right message for the right time that God orders our steps. And we find ourselves to the book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Thessalonians and in chapter number 3. If you wouldn't mind as we look together in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's begin by looking at verse number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter hath, be te hath tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in our own affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast." In the Lord. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you connect two things that's actually repeated in this passage twice and then throughout the rest of the text or the book of First Thessalonians? But notice with me, starting at verse number two, notice the word comfort and then notice the word faith. So in verse number two, notice the word comfort and the word faith. Then once again, notice with me in verse number 7. And notice those two words are linked again. Comfort and faith. And with the Lord's help, we'd just like to hit some things here from the book of 1 Thessalonians where we see comfort in faith. Comfort in faith. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's go to the God again and talk to Him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we now come to you, we're asking that you would give us the comfort and encouragement that comes from your scriptures. That we could learn more about the comfort that you have for us inside of our faith of trusting you. I'm asking that this would be a help to someone this evening. 
That you're the God who could heal broken hearts. You're the God who can encourage the weak. That you're a God who could do so much because you are real. I'm asking that you would strengthen people's faith. And because their faith is encouraged, that they would have greater comfort. Fill me with your Holy Spirit tonight that you could get your work accomplished. That you could draw all people close to you because of your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that we could trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Comfort and faith go side by side inside of the Christian life. If you are going to be comforted, it is going to be because of your faith. Now, here are some things we should probably define terms. What is faith? Faith could be defined very clearly in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. You understand that when we talk about faith, there's a lot of faith in this world. There are people who have faith in their cause. People who have faith in mother nature. People who have faith in the government. People who have faith in other people. But when we speak about faith... We understand that it is the object of our faith that matters. And when we place our faith inside of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is faith that is well placed. Faith that will be a help in the times of trouble, in the times of storm, in the times of weakness, in the times that we need it. Our faith in Christ is what is going to bring us great comfort. We live in a world that is very disastrous. We live in a world that's very bleak, a world that seems to be getting darker day by day, a world that no longer has answers, a world that has no hope. And yet, during this time, we as Christians, because we have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, can still have great comfort even in the hardest days. One of the great names of God is the Comforter. I'm so thankful for that name. That, that's what He is. He is the Comforter. He's the one who could comfort us even in our lowest places. And so if you don't mind, I'd just like to walk through the book of 1 Thessalonians, which speaks quite a bit about the word comfort. We're going to do kind of a word study throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to see this idea that we can have comfort. And it comes in our faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I'd like to show you is that comfort in faith is taught. Comfort in faith is taught. Notice with me in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And notice this starting at verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 9. For ye remember brethren... Our labor and travail for laboring night and day. Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He starts off by saying, I want you to remember something. How we worked day and night. And we worked so that way we were not chargeable by you. Why? Because we wanted you to know the gospel. Now what is the gospel? As a reminder, as we're defining terms, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is that you and I are all sinners. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. You see that in order to go to heaven, in order to be with God, we must be perfect. But none of us are perfect. 
Every single one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we're not perfect, you can't set something that's not perfect and put it in a perfect place. It would ruin it. And so God has made it so no one who is not perfect, they cannot go into heaven. You say, that's not good news. I understand. But before we get to the good news, we must tell you the bad news. The bad news is, is that God... <laughs> because of his holiness and his righteousness, can allow something that's not perfect to abide with him. So therefore, we must be separated from him. For example, as we were mentioning today, as I was dealing with dead bodies, that as we dealt with the dead body and were comforting the, the family, we would say that person was dead. How did we know they were dead? Because their body was there, but what made them them was separated out. That's what the word separation is. That's what the word death is. They're separated out. The Bible says that because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God. And when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. God never intended a single human to go to that awful place called hell. But... Because we are not perfect, because we deserve to be separated from God, that's the only other place to go. You said, preacher, this is still not good news. Let me tell you what the good news is. God loved us so much that he didn't want us to go to that awful place called hell. So what God did is he robed himself in flesh and came down and lived on this earth to live the same life that you and I lived. Jesus went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then he died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. He was died on a cross, buried on a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose again. When he rose again, it proved two things. It proved that Jesus indeed was God, and it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. Now all that is left is that we must, as individuals, must personally accept him to be our Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, that word believeth is the same word that we use for trust, faith. Whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God made a promise and God can't lie that if you would believe and accept Jesus to pay your penalty, to pay your price, He promised you eternal life. He promised you everlasting life. And that's forever. And that's the faith that we could place inside of Christ. And that's the faith that Paul had worked with the church of Thessalonica to do. He said, I'm not chargeable to you. I'm trying to work so that way you would be willing to accept this gift of salvation. That you would accept the gospel. He goes on in verse number 10. Ye are witnesses and God also. So your witnesses and God's a witness. How holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believed. He says we're your examples. We're trying to show you how to live holy lives. How to live unblameable lives. How to live lives worth following. Because we're trying to teach you something about the faith that we have. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblamely we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted, there's that word comforted, and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. He says, we understand that Christians 
need to be taught. Just like a father teaches his children, it's a responsibility of us to teach you that about your faith and that you can have comfort in your faith. What do you mean? Well, when we get salvation, there are things that accompany salvation. First of all, we have everlasting life. And no one can take that away from you. The government can't take it away from you. Oppressors, bad guys, assassins, even your own family cannot take that away from you. That's a wonderful thing. I could take comfort in that, that no matter what happens, I'm going to heaven because God promised it to me. That becomes a great comfort. In addition, not only when I get salvation do I just get a place to go, I get a brand new heavenly father. That's a wonderful thing. I have a father who will not disown me. A father who will not disavow me. A father who won't divorce me. A father who continues to accept me and wants to be with me. I'm always loved. You understand there's nothing God that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you could do to make God love you less. There's a great comfort in that. That means if I mess up and I have a bad day and I fail badly, I still have the comfort that God still loves me. That's a great comfort. And just as a father teaches his children, we have to teach those things. There are things that we have to teach because sometimes it doesn't come naturally and it's not just take it for granted. People ask all the time, if I sin, do I mess up? Will God still love me? Yes. There's a great comfort in that. The Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that when we accept Jesus Christ, we're accepted in the beloved. You know what a lot of people are looking for? acceptance. They just want someone to accept them. That's why some people will do all kinds of things out of their way to try to get someone to accept them. There's a great comfort that God accepts you. That God just doesn't love you. He likes you. We all have people that we love that we don't want to go on vacation with. God just doesn't love you. He likes you. There's a comfort in that. Especially in days where you don't even like yourself. Someone still likes you. That's a great comfort. And there's a lot of things that go along with it. This is why it says we have comfort in faith. This is why going to church is a big deal. Because when we go to church, we're taught more things about God. And we can get great comfort in those things that we learn in our faith. That Paul taught his, the people of Thessalonica like a father taught their children. In fact, with that same thought, go to with me in chapter number 3. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Why? To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So Paul is going through the worst time of his life. And you could read the book of Acts. What led him to Athens. And what um, put him there at that time. At that place. But Paul says I can't leave. But I want to be a help to the church of Thessalonica. So I'm sending Timothy. And I'm going to send Timothy there. And here is why I'm sending Timothy. He's our brother and a minister of God. Our fellow laborer. Here's his qualifications. I could trust him. He's going to be a help to you. Why? He says, to establish you. The word establish carries the idea to build a foundation. 
Where do we get our comfort and faith in? When we have an established, stable foundation. If your world is always topsy-turvy, it's very hard to get comfort from that. When you feel like, I can't get stable. Well, our faith stabilizes us because we can trust in the Lord. And there's a comfort that comes with it. He says, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. We understand that comfort and faith is taught. That we have to take time to teach people about their faith and how they could take comfort in that faith. That comfort and faith is taught. Once again, why it's so important to be in church. While we're in church, we're taught more about our faith. And we're taught how we can rejoice in the faith we have. We could be reminded about things that maybe we don't usually think about. Of the great comfort we have because of our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else that we learn is that comfort in faith comforts others. Comfort in faith comforts others. As we're in chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, notice with me in verse number 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Now Paul is saying, listen, we're going through some things, and Timothy came back. We had sent him to go help you. And he came back and he was telling us about how you were already comforted, and your faith in the midst of the things you're going through. Notice with me in verse number 8. Verse 7, rather. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For we, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Now notice in verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we are comforted. Why? Over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. He says, I understand that you're going through some hard times. There's some persecution that's hit your door. And we've seen how you have received great comfort because of you standing in your faith. That when we received the news, it helped us. Paul was going through some seriously hard times right now. At this time, he has just left the church that he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life in, in the church of Ephesus. However, there was an uprising and a riot, and they were attempting to kill him. So in order to save his own life, they sent Paul away. At the same time, the churches of Galatia have had a false preacher come in, and someone's been teaching them that, <coughs> that, excuse me, <coughs> That they can lose their salvation. Which is opposite of what the Apostle Paul taught. On top of that, the church of Corinth is in full-blown rebellion. Saying, listen, who are you, Paul? Who made you in charge? What's an apostle after all? No one told you that you could tell us what to do. And he's having a hard time. And when the church of Thessalonica sends word back through Timothy. Timothy says, Paul, let me tell you, that church, they're going through hard times right now. But they're trusting in God. And they're not giving in. That was a great help to Paul during this time. 
to hear that someone was listening. Someone was staying close to the Bible. Someone's still moving forward. When you think that you're the only one, it's very hard to stay encouraged. Ask Elijah. When you hear that someone else is standing, someone else is doing what's right, it helps you so much. Again, if you could forgive the personal illustration. Many years ago before I came here, we were going through some of the worst things that were going on in our life. Whether it was physical things with my back being completely out. Or children things. Zebedee was having life-threatening seizures. Coming to the place where... Our finances had dried up and we were under full persecution by people who hated us and people who wanted to do us harm. And we were going through some awful things in our life and we still kept looking up to the Lord. And when people said, how are you doing? My answer was, I'm blessed. And people knew the things we're going through. And when I could still say I'm blessed, God's still good and God's still right. They were like, well, if... Scotty could survive that. Pastor Bockhaus can survive that. Well, then I could survive what we have. All these years later, I still have people that said, you know what, I was thinking about quitting the ministry. Then I saw the things that you were going through and saw how you were still responding, encouraging, and that you still seem to be comforted. He says, I couldn't quit. And I'm in the ministry today because I saw what you were going through. You understand your life is in a fishbowl whether you like it or not. And people watch what happens to you in the worst days of your life. And to see if you're clinging to your faith. Or if your faith is only real when it's rainbows and puppy kisses. Is your God still real when you're having a bad day? Is your faith in God still true when things are not going your way? People watch that. And when you are still able to say God is still good and God is still right. In the hardest days of your life. Others watch that and their faith in God is increased because your God is real and they can trust your God. This is one way we could pray for the family we were praying for a little bit ago. That right now that their faith would be anchored in and that God would give them great comfort and it could be a, just a ripple effect of others who have their faith strengthened in the Lord because they watch what this family is going through. Paul said, I needed this encouragement. I'm so encouraged. When I was thinking about hanging it up and just laying down and dying, I saw you and I saw what the church was doing. Heard the word back and it helped me go on. Helped me go forward. That comfort and faith, what happens is that we could comfort others during that time. Something else that we see about comfort and faith is that comfort and faith comes from sound doctrine. Comfort in faith comes from sound doctrine. We see this in chapter 4 and verse 18 at the very end of it. It quite simply says in chapter 4 and verse 18, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, this is encouraging. Here is something we could comfort one another with. Now, with what words? With the words that the Apostle Paul had just given. The Apostle Paul had just answered a question. Someone at... Uh, sent a message with Tim Timothy back. And Timothy said, Paul, they were asking a question. You kept talking a lot about Jesus Christ coming back. And it seems so real to them. But they said, what happens if my loved one dies before Jesus comes back? What happens then? 
And Paul says, that's a good question. And so notice with me in chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Remember the word asleep is a nice, kind Bible way of saying that they're dead. So those who are dead, I want you to know what's going on. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You understand that funerals are different from those who people who trust Jesus Christ as their Savior from those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I dealt with a family in the last 24 hours. They were by their loved one's side and they had no comfort. They had no hope. And their wailing and their crying was a sign of that. I'm never going to see her again. And the mourning and the wailing. But for a Christian, we understand that a funeral is a little bit different. Yes, we're sad and we're going to miss them. But it's not so long forever. It's see you in a little while. That we have a great comfort. That we're going to see our loved ones again. That if they've trusted Christ and we've trusted Christ, we have the promise of seeing them again. What a great comfort there is because of sound teaching, sound doctrine. He goes on in verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. That's a comforting verse. That if they've trusted Christ and we've trusted Christ, we get to see them again. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or stop them that are from them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, so because of this teaching, comfort one another with these words. Oh, sound doctrine, good teaching helps us have good faith. You see, our faith is not a blind faith. And it's not an imaginary faith. It is a faith based off of the Word of God, a God who cannot lie, and His Word is real. We can trust Him. And our faith is increased, and our comfort is increased. Because his word is true. Pick it up with me in chapter 5 and verse 9. Chapter 5 and verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus. Pause there. Think about this. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's what this is saying. That's encouraging. It doesn't matter how much you have done. Sometimes preacher, people come up to me and say. Preacher you don't know what all I've done. That may be true, but let me tell you, let me tell you what a Savior He is. He could save you from anything and everything you've ever done. He saved in the Bible people who are murderers. They're going to heaven because they've trusted in Him. He's trusted, He's brought liars to Himself where they trusted in His promises and they're going to heaven because of God's promises. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He hasn't appointed you to wrath. He hasn't chosen you to go to wrath. But 
to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to know without a doubt that you're going to heaven. Verse 10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. God has made it that you don't have to wait to go see him. You can have a personal relationship with him now. You have everlasting life, not at the point you die, but at the point that you trust that God has promises. That's encouraging. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Notice that word wherefore. So because of what we just taught you, because of the Bible teaching, comfort one another with these. That God loves you so much he wants you to go to heaven. That's a great encouragement. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's willing to forgive you of all of it. Verse 12, and we beseech you, we beg you, brethren, to, to know them which labor among you and that are over you in the Lord to admonish you. And it goes on and said, we're going to learn this Bible doctrine from those who are pointed over us. They're going to teach us us so we could have more comfort. One last thing in here, if you wouldn't mind. Comfort in faith needs to be passed on. Comfort in faith needs to be passed on. Notice with me in verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. So here it's giving commands that we're supposed to warn them that are unruly. So those that are not behaving the way that they should, we're to warn them. Don't do that. Don't behave like that. That's not how you should behave. But notice this. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient with all men. Notice this idea of what we're supposed to comfort. Comfort the feeble-minded. Once we've learned to keep comforted in faith in our trials, then we could turn around and teach others who are struggling in their lives. The word feeble-minded here is dispirited, disheartened, downcast, discouraged. That we're to go to those that are dispirited. That means their, their spirit is broken. You could tell it the way that they walk and the way that they speak, their spirit is broken. We're to go to those that are disheartened. Those that have that broken heart and what do I do? Those that are downcast. That means they feel like they're thrown out. They're, they're outcasted. They're, they're set aside. That they're looked down upon. We're to find them. And discouraged. We're supposed to find those folks. And we're to comfort them. Again, where does the comfort come from? By learning to trust Jesus. Teaching them to look at the Lord. Look at Him. Sometimes that means that we take the Bible and teach them something about the Bible. For example, let's take the downcast. Someone who says, my family doesn't love me. Society doesn't accept me. They don't like who I am. And we can go up to them and say, listen... You're accepted in the beloved if you trust Jesus Christ. You want someone to love you as you are? Jesus is willing to do that. That's a great comfort for those who are downcasted. Those who are discouraged. Oh, things are not working out the way that I can. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We could give them comfort and hope from the scripture and say, there's a God that you can trust. Here's a God who hears and answers prayer. Here's a God who's gone through all the things that you've gone through. And he can give us the strength to keep going to go another day. That's what God did with Elijah when he was so discouraged and so depressed. He thought about committing suicide. God was able to help them. The journey is too great for thee. For those 
that are disheartened. Someone has let them down. Someone has broken them. Someone had failed them. We could go to them and say, listen, people may fail you. I may fail you. But God will never fail you. And we can trust Him. And we get our comfort in Him. That when you get your eyes on people, sometimes God will knock them off a pedestal to teach you a lesson. But God will never fail you. For those that are dispirited, their spirit is broken. God said a broken spirit and a contrite heart, God will not despise. God says, I could use that. I could build you up. I can show you. I could give you comfort. I could show you to depend on something that will not fail you. Where to find those? Someone once told me years ago that if I preach to brokenhearted, I'll never lack an audience. Why? There's so many brokenhearted. There's so many people around us. There are so many people that have a fake smile on their face, but inside they're screaming and they're crying. Those are the people that need this. There are people that are on their last leg. There are the people who said, I just can't do with life anymore. Those are the people that need comforted. There are people that sometimes a big disappointment has hit them. Those are the ones that need this. We're so thankful that God is given comfort. Not in the times that we're happy and rainbows are there and bills are paid. He's able to give us comfort in our darkest hour. Why? Because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you. I asked someone this earlier. Let me ask you this. Are you enjoying the journey? Are you enjoying the journey God's given to you? Are you able to take comfort in the next step and the next step? But things aren't working out. God didn't ever promise you that things were going to work out. But I can't handle it. Good. God said that he's going to give you things that you can't handle. But he will also with that give you a way of escape. Trusting in Jesus Christ. But so and so failed me. I understand that. But God will never fail you. We have to learn to keep our eyes on him. How can we be comforted in the worst times of our life? By keeping our eyes on him. Keeping our eyes on him. Whenever we get discouraged... It's often because we look at ourselves. We get depressed when we look at others. It's the other way around. We get discouraged looking at others. We get depressed looking at ourselves. Let me tell you, when you keep your eyes on God, you can still comfort it. You could be encouraged. It's keeping your eyes on Him because there's comfort in faith. And it's not an imaginary faith. It is a real faith. It is a faith based off of God's promises who God has proven over and over and over. We can have great comfort. And we need to be looking always around us. There are people all around us with broken hearts. There are people around us with such great discouragements. Those are the people that we need to go to and show that there's a real comfort. The most effective time to reach someone is when they're broken. When they're disheartened. It's amazing how many times... We'll win someone to the Lord and we'll find out it's because their dad just died. Because they were just kicked out of the house. Because they were just rejected. Those are the times that people need the biggest hope. And that's the time they need to show that there's a hope you could stand upon. A hope that is real. A hope that is tangible. 
And we can get great comfort because that hope is real. So what do you do with this? Well, first of all, dear friend, are you 100% sure from the Bible that you're forgiven of your sins? If not, it'd be our great privilege to to have someone take the Bible and to show you from God's word how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven, all of them. That you can have a home in heaven and that you could be accepted in the beloved. It'd be our great privilege. And it's something real, not imaginary. It is something real. Maybe you yourself is going through a time of brokenheartedness. Let me tell you, keep your eyes on the Lord. There's great comfort in faith. Put your trust in Him. Roll your burdens at Calvary. Trust Him. He can help you. He can help you take the next step and then the next step. Keep your eyes on Him. Then maybe you know that there's someone that's brokenhearted. Maybe you want to pray for them that they could have comfort in their faith now. That there's something real that could be offered. Not a platitude, not a there, there, not a just I'm praying for you. But they could have real comfort, true comfort in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many brokenhearted people around us that need comfort, that need help. And we have the answers. We need to be able to show them. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.